Welcome to Landscape Lullabies. I am your host, Stephanie, a former professional chef turned food and travel writer. In each lullaby, I will take you along to explore a new idyllic landscape, both sea and land. Sometimes, we meet people along the way. I have written each landscape to describe the sounds, smells, and sensations of the location we submerge into as you drift off to sleep. I will re-walk the landscape with you a second time after we experience it first together. Because food and travel intersect so often, there is additional content called Kitchen Lullabies on Patreon, as well as bonus episodes of Landscapes. Check show notes for information. Now, get comfortable in your bed and relax. One breath in. Breathe out, and as you exhale, feel your feet and legs sink into the bed, imagining they have become weightless. Deep breath in again. On your second exhale, release the tension and weight of your torso and arms into the bed. And on your third exhale, release all the tension from your jaw. Open it slightly so your teeth do not touch, your brow does not furrow, and your neck lets go of any weight. Now that you're completely relaxed, let's explore the landscape. I'm visiting my cousin in southern Sweden and this weekend we are spending three days at Nils and Helene Stuka with intentions of foraging for some local delights courtesy of Mother Nature. The home has been in Nils' family for three generations. The original country cottage was painted in the traditional Falu red, and Nils freshened it up with modern paint in the same shade last summer. The doors and windows are crisp white, and the stone chimney reminds me that, despite warmth and sun today, it is cold and dark here for long periods of time. The little house sits on a sea of shiny green blades of grass sprinkled with purple and yellow wildflowers. A tan gravel driveway breaks it up into a front lawn section and a backyard area with a small garden. A smattering of red tulips near the wooden front steps 
are leaning just a bit to the right to keep up with the movement of the sun. An owl is carved into one of the front door handrails by Nils father when he was a boy. It is his mother's favorite animal. Helene and I go inside to get settled. Nils and their dog Birger walk around a bit after the long drive. He is a Finnish Lapland in a tricolor mix of black, brindle, and white. He is very partial to Nils, but doesn't seem to mind strangers. Inside the front door is a box for shoes and a basket of socks next to it, many of which Helene has knitted herself. I select a pair made from stone-colored knobby yarn flecked with rose, pine, and sienna. Summertime feels warm to native Swedes, but for me, it is just a bit cool. My eyes are immediately drawn to a large artwork suspended by a wood rod behind the sofa. The wall hanging looks to be a type of highly textured fiber art. While I am very well versed in crochet and knit, this is something I have not seen before. Helene tells me she wove it from unraveling sweaters that belonged to our great-grandmother. They were taking up space in what little storage they have here. She felt repurposing it into something beautiful she looked at every day was a better way to remember grandmother. It is as long as I am tall and a mixture of various shades of off-white that have been recolored by the passing decades. Some parts are smooth and taut, while other areas are fluffy and knobby like a sheep that is ready to be shorn. This is an heirloom home with heirloom art. The room would be far less welcoming without it. Nils and Helene have spent the past two years renovating the interior to look quite modern. It is in the sweetest tradition of being understated, but clearly they've made an effort to bring it into modern times as the generations after them will do as well. We're all feeling hungry after the drive to get to the stuga. On the dining table, Helene puts out some Nakabrot, Westerbotten cheese and cider, later joined by a stone crock of butter, a jar of pickled onions and mustard. The prize on the table are strawberries from the garden. This time of year, they are very popular, and Nils was happy to see some were ripe for picking today after walking Berger before joining us. The accent of a red bowl of berries in a sea of less vibrant-looking food makes them shine like a harvest moon in the night sky. Birger finds his way to a bed near the hearth while we enjoy lunch. 
I share some of my stories, and while I do, my eyes scan the room. The vaulted wood beam ceilings make the modest home appear larger than it actually is. There are no walls dividing the main level. The kitchen has a pale yellow accent wall to contrast the white of the room. There is a charcoal sketch of an owl framed on the wall that leads upstairs. It's a loft area that consists of two bedrooms, which also have angled ceilings that feel a bit low for people with Viking-sized genetics. Two stories told and two signers later, Niels proves to be quite the talker himself. I resisted cider this early in the day. My low tolerance of it would impede the plans we have for this afternoon. The front of his dirty blonde hair is shaggy and he shakes it out of his eyes. Helene reaches over to brush it away from his face and he allows it. He doesn't like to go to the place that cuts it, she says. He nods in agreement, but also knows it is a chore that must be done. He says he suffers through it with a hat much of the time, but this time of year, it's simply too hot to wear one. He tells me two houses over, a couple with a teenager live there, and the woman is very skilled at fishing. The man has a vegetable garden and he cures the fish she catches. They live here year round, but many in the area just have the stugas for weekends or the whole of the summertime season. It is difficult for them to get into the city for food, so they do a lot in the summer to hold them through the long winters here. Pickles, smoking, and things of that nature. He adds, we don't have a lot of vegetable variety in the colder months, so they are quite creative with what is available. Fortified with lunch, Helene and I are ready for foraging in the Swedish forest. More than half this country is forest and many delicious treasures can be found in them. The lake is a short walk from the front door and they keep a small boat there for fishing and foraging different spots in the surrounding wooded areas. We have a few items to help us collect what we find, packed in backpacks, and an empty basket for the fruits of the forest. Helene has us both outfitted in rain boots, suited to hunting around, and Birger is along to help. The family boat is simple when it serves its purpose. There are three others docked along the small wooden walkway, all in similar size and shape. More of a fat oval than a canoe shape with a faded white exterior and sky blue inside. The small lake is a very deep blue, swollen, and calm today. I am seated on the back bench with my cousin leading the way. 
Eileen slowly paddles on the right and I on the left. The sun sparkles on the tiny ripples as the boat moves gently through the water. The breeze makes her blonde hair flutter. Birger sits quietly in the middle, taking in all the smells in the air that tell him a story as if reading a book. She has tales of what happened here and there as we pass the different wooded areas along the shore, including an unpleasant encounter with a moose. She tells me of the animals that inhabit the forest. Further north are the lodger, the lynx, she says, but they are so shy. Spotting one before they spot you is difficult. Sometimes aggressive badgers that Birger barks at, and we have wolves and bears, but today I don't expect any animal friends in the places we are foraging. Birger will notify us, but he will not save us, she says as she reaches back to stroke his head and smiles. It seems he is the definition of all bark and no bite. It doesn't take long for us to navigate to a shoreline Helene has indicated is a good location for wild mushrooms. Birger cannot wait for the boat to be secured and leaps into the shallows and begins to scope the water's edge for anything that would excite a dog. We pull up the boat on the land and begin our way into the woods. It is blanketed with moss, plenty of trees, and a slight rolling incline. This is where the mushrooms are, she says. These words make me feel a bit giddy. Birger is leaping around, excited by a new place to explore, and right away, there they are. I have the empty basket in my hand and follow Helene's lead. She knows which tree roots grow the mushrooms. I see them, she says, and now I do too. The golden fungus shooting up from the earth. Chanterelle, she exclaims. Yes, indeed, chanterelles. Under the shade of the trees, they are everywhere beneath our feet. This is not unusual for Helene to see, but for me, an American, it is unreal. They are difficult enough for me to find in my local markets, and here they are just lazing around with a dog leaping through moss on the rolling, enchanted forest floor. We pull out small knives to cut the clean mushrooms away from the soil. Sounds of a woodpecker pecking at a tree nearby echoes just a bit, and leaves rustle in the wind. It's a beautiful soundtrack of nature, one that plays a new song every time you visit. After the basket is half full of chanterelles, we walk to a different part of the woods where there is more sun and a ground full of lingonberries. With berry rakes, we scoop the short plants clean of the red jewels. Mirger finds a spot to dig in 
and then rolls around in the dirt under the sun. He is truly in dog bliss. Two brown bunnies with white bellies are nibbling on wildflowers several feet away. Our berry raking hasn't scared them off, but they are watchful with their glassy brown eyes and constantly chewing mouths and occasionally a twitching nose. With each chew, the long stems become shorter and shorter until they disappear completely. Birger hasn't spotted them yet, or surely he would be chasing them for sport. We have gathered enough berries in the rakes to make a sauce so we can find our way back to the boat. The lake looks still and glassy, reflecting the trees all around it like a mirror. Birger splashes in the water a bit before Helene gives a whistle and he shakes off the drops, then jumps in the boat. Along with the happy dog, we paddle back to the dock to take our forest delights to the kitchen. What we cook with the forest delights will be featured in October's Kitchen Lullabies, available on Patreon. I'm visiting my cousin in southern Sweden, and this weekend we are spending three days at Nils and Helene Stuka with intentions of foraging for some local delights, courtesy of Mother Nature. The home has been in Nils' family for three generations. The original country cottage was painted in the traditional Falu red, and Nils freshened it up with modern paint in the same shade last summer. The doors and windows are crisp white, and the stone chimney reminds me that, despite warmth and sun today, it is cold and dark here for long periods of time. The little house sits on a sea of shiny green blades of grass, sprinkled with purple and yellow wildflowers. A tan gravel driveway breaks it up into a front lawn section and a backyard area with a small garden. A smattering of red tulips near the wooden front steps are leaning just a bit to the right to keep up with the movement of the sun. An owl is carved into one of the front door handrails by Nils' father when he was a boy. It is his mother's favorite animal. Helene and I go inside to get settled. Nils and their dog, Birger, walk around a bit after the long drive. He is a Finnish Lapland, in a tricolor mix of black, brindle, and white. He is very partial to Nils, but doesn't seem to mind strangers. Inside the front door is a box for shoes 
and a basket of socks next to it, many of which Helene has knitted herself. I select a pair made from stone-colored knobby yarn flecked with rose, pine, and sienna. Summertime feels warm to native Swedes, but for me, it is just a bit cool. My eyes are immediately drawn to a large artwork suspended by a wood rod behind the sofa. The wall hanging looks to be a type of highly textured fiber art. While I am very well versed in crochet and knit, this is something I have not seen before. Helene tells me she wove it from unraveling sweaters that belonged to our great-grandmother. They were taking up space in what little storage they have here. She felt repurposing it into something beautiful. She looked at every day was a better way to remember grandmother. It is as long as I am tall and a mixture of various shades of off-white that have been recolored by the passing decades. Some parts are smooth and taut, while other areas are fluffy and knobby, like a sheep that is ready to be shorn. This is an heirloom home with heirloom art. The room would be far less welcoming without it. Nils and Helene have spent the past two years renovating the interior to look quite modern. It is in the sweetest tradition of being understated, but clearly they've made an effort to bring it into modern times, as the generations after them will do as well. We're all feeling hungry after the drive to get to the Stuga. On the dining table, Helene puts out some Nagabrot, Westerbotten cheese, and cider later joined by a stone crock of butter, a jar of pickled onions and mustard. The prize on the table are strawberries from the garden. This time of year they are very popular and Nils was happy to see some were ripe for picking today after walking Birger before joining us. The accent of a red bowl of berries and a sea of less vibrant-looking food makes them shine like a harvest moon in the night sky. Birger finds his way to a bed near the hearth while we enjoy lunch. I share some of my stories, and while I do, my eyes scan the room. The vaulted wood beam ceilings make the modest home appear larger than it actually is. There are no walls dividing the main level. The kitchen has a pale yellow accent wall to contrast the white of the room. There is a charcoal sketch of an owl framed on the wall that leads upstairs. It's a loft area that consists of two bedrooms which also have angled ceilings that feel a bit low for people with Viking-sized genetics. 
Two stories tall, then two signers later, Niels proves to be quite the talker himself. I resisted cider this early in the day. My low tolerance of it would impede the plans we have for this afternoon. The front of his dirty blonde hair is shaggy and he shakes it out of his eyes. Helene reaches over to brush it away from his face and he allows it. He doesn't like to go to the place that cuts it, she says. He nods in agreement, but also knows it is a chore that must be done. He says he suffers through it with a hat much of the time, but this time of year, it's simply too hot to wear one. He tells me two houses over, a couple with a teenager live there, and the woman is very skilled at fishing. The man has a vegetable garden and he cures the fish she catches. They live here year-round, but many in the area just have astugas for weekends or the whole of the summertime season. It is difficult for them to get into the city for food, so they do a lot in the summer to hold them through the long winters here. Pickles, smoking, and things of that nature. Hands. We don't have a lot of vegetable variety in the colder months, so they are quite creative with what is available. Fortified with lunch, Helene and I are ready for foraging in the Swedish forest. More than half this country is forest, and many delicious treasures can be found in them. The lake is a short walk from the front door and they keep a small boat there for fishing and foraging different spots in the surrounding wooded areas. We have a few items to help us collect what we find, packed in backpacks, and an empty basket for the fruits of the forest. Helene has us both outfitted in rain boots, suited to hunting around, and Birger is along to help. The family boat is simple when it serves its purpose. There are three others docked along the small wooden walkway, all in similar size and shape. More of a fat oval than a canoe shape with a faded white exterior and sky blue inside. The small lake is a very deep blue, swollen, and calm today. I am seated on the back bench with my cousin leading the way. Helene slowly paddles on the right and I on the left. The sun sparkles on the tiny ripples as the boat moves gently through the water. The breeze makes her blonde hair flutter. Birger sits quietly in the middle, taking in all the smells in the air to tell him a story as if reading a book. She has tales of what happened here and there as we pass the different wooded areas along the shore, including an unpleasant encounter with a moose. She tells me of the animals that inhabit the forest. Further north are the lodger, the lynx. 
she says, but they are so shy. Spotting one before they spot you is difficult. Sometimes aggressive badgers that Birger barks at, and we have wolves and bears, but today I don't expect any animal friends in the places we are foraging. Birger will notify us, but he will not save us, she says as she reaches back to stroke his head and smiles. It seems he is the definition of all bark and no bite. It doesn't take long for us to navigate to a shoreline Helene has indicated is a good location for wild mushrooms. Birger cannot wait for the boat to be secured and leaps into the shallows and begins to scope the water's edge for anything that would excite a dog. We pull up the boat on the land and begin our way into the woods. It is blanketed with moss plenty of trees, and a slight rolling incline. This is where the mushrooms are, she says. These words make me feel a bit giddy. Birger is leaping around, excited by a new place to explore, and right away, there they are. I have the empty basket in my hand and follow Helene's lead. She knows which tree roots grow the mushrooms. I see them, she says, and now I do too. The golden fungus shooting up from the earth. Cantarelle, she exclaims. Yes, indeed, chanterelles. Under the shade of the trees, they are everywhere beneath our feet. This is not unusual for Helene to see, but for me, an American, it is unreal. They are difficult enough for me to find in my local markets, and here they are just lazing around with a dog leaping through moss on the rolling, enchanted forest floor. We pull out small knives to cut the clean mushrooms away from the soil. Sounds of a woodpecker pecking at a tree nearby echoes just a bit, and leaves rustle in the wind. It's a beautiful soundtrack of nature, one that plays a new song every time you visit. After the basket is half full of chanterelles, we walk to a different part of the woods where there is more sun and a ground full of lingonberries. With berry rakes, we scoop the short plants clean of the red jewels. Mirger finds a spot to dig in and then rolls around in the dirt under the sun. He is truly in dog bliss. Two brown bunnies with white bellies are nibbling on wildflowers several feet away. Our berry raking hasn't scared them off, but they are watchful with their glassy brown eyes and constantly chewing mouths and occasionally a twitching nose. With each chew, the long stems become shorter and shorter until they disappear completely. Birger hasn't spotted them yet, or surely he would be chasing them for sport. We have gathered enough berries in the rakes to make a sauce 
so we can find our way back to the boat. The lake looks still and glassy, reflecting the trees all around it like a mirror. Birgit splashes in the water a bit before Helene gives a whistle and he shakes off the drops, then jumps in the boat. Along with the happy dog, we paddle back to the dock to take our forest delights to the kitchen. What we cook with the forest delights will be featured in October's Kitchen Lullabies, available on Patreon. <laughs>